0: Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Corks 96FM Liam, another month, another Onokura, another chapter in the Onokura story. This would be seen as very positive. Am I right in thinking that the Health Committee of the Eroctis, members of which I met in Sarsfield Court only a month ago, have now written to the Minister and said, do not close that centre?
1: That's right, PJ. Uh, The statement from the the Eroctis Health Committee was very encouraging for families because um, it very clearly called for that reversal of the closure And families are so used to hearing the same kind of mechanical detached responses back from local managers to the issues that they're raising that don't address their concerns. So it was really refreshing that the Health Committee, you know, whose words carry great weight, uh, got to the heart of the matter with such a clear and straightforward and supportive statement. And I think in that statement, the unfairness of the the closure was very uh, clearly acknowledged. Um, Something that myself and families have emphasised in our recent communications with committee members was the kind of prolonged limbo that that residents have been left in um, and how damaging that can be to a person's well-being for that to kind of continue indefinitely. Um, I've worked myself as a psychologist in the mental health services for many years and in that role or in any clinician role, if you're supporting somebody Um, you'll be very mindful of when a therapeutic alliance is coming to an end because that can be quite a destabilizing time for uh, for, for a person that you're working with. And you'll strive to plan that ending out, you know, over a a long period of time usually and ensure, if possible, that the person isn't, you know, taken by surprise or is unclear about when that um, support is concluding. And. What the Onakura residents have been facing since last June is not one therapeutic alliance being concluded, but all of their alliances at once with a number of clinicians. And they're also losing all their connections in the community all at the same time. And much worse than that, they don't know if this will be happening in a few weeks or in six weeks or a few months. Um, I think for any of us, even if our mental health is robust, to not know when you're going to lose your long-standing home and many of your important connections would be deeply unsettling. Yes. But you, you can imagine how much worse that can be for somebody with severe mental health difficulties. Yeah. Um, so aside from the closure itself being unjust and wrong, this uncertainty runs the risk of being profoundly destabilising to a person um, with those mental health difficulties.
0: What's particularly strong within the statement is that the committee says that the closure is... and. If I'm reading this incorrectly, Liam, tell me the closure is in contravention of government policy.
1: That's right. Now they they cite uh, the sharing division document. Um, they, uh, they, the the managers themselves cited a vision for change, which was a, a more concrete document um, from from a good number of years back, but A Vision for Change set out exactly the staffing levels that um, were required per population um, across each service. And for a population the size of the East Cork HSE catchment, which is almost 100,000 people, um, you would have to have 30 placement beds, so 30 24-hour staffed placement beds. Mm. Um, At at its peak, Onacorra had 24. Uh, Some of those rooms were shared but it has capacity for 20 single uh, single rooms. And um, there was 19, as we know, there when the closure was announced. And the proposal now is that we remove all of those. And they serve not just Middleton, but they serve, hmm. you know, a vast catchment area from, from um, Yall to Cove and Glenville.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so it makes no sense in terms of um, government policy.
0: Yeah. It contravenes what they call sharing division. Now, the minister responsible here is Mary Butler. Hmm she doesn't have to take this recommendation on board. And even if she does, Mm. does she have the power to order the HSE to reverse the decision?
1: Well, uh, yeah, I I think that's a a very important kind of cautionary point because while families really welcome the statement and it's been very uplifting, um, they've been on a very difficult journey and they're aware that um, while the Health Committee's words you know, are significant and they have authority to them. Um, and and all the more so, I think, because the committee is made up of TDs and senators from yeah. all parties, yeah. government and opposition. But as you said, the power to intervene um, directly, the, the power to compel the HSE to take any action, um, that, that isn't uh, within the, the gift of the committee. But it does lie with government. Yeah. And the HSE is is... Is meant to be accountable, not just to the public, but to public representatives. And ultimately, Mary Butler, uh, Minister Mary Butler, will be the person to sign off on disclosure if it goes ahead. And I'm really, really appealing to her to take on not only um, the Health Committee's very strong statement, but the whole accumulation of facts that we've had over the past nine months.
0: Does Minister Donnelly not have a role here? Is it entirely Minister Butler's gift?
1: I think Minister Butler would be the, the most uh, directly responsible, mm. and obviously mental health is is um, part of the overall department, you know, Department of Health. But I think it, it, she, she does really have the the last call here. Um,
0: so she can, if she wishes to do so, chooses to do so. She can ask the HSE to, ref, to to reverse the decision. Unfortunately, she has no power to enforce that.
1: No, she does have the power to enforce it. Well
0: oh, she, she does. Can.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Okay. Yep. That, that That's strong, because I know she can add, there is always this separation of HSE and department, but well, my, she she has the power to tell them not to do this.
1: My understanding is that that's definitely the case. And I think that's the whole point of, of governments. you know, that um, they're the, the ultimate authority and they tend the government tends to defer to um, departments and to the civil service, and that's Generally, fair enough, because they're the people working on the ground. But I think what we've seen here is uh, both a building rationale and a service provision rationale that just haven't stood up to scrutiny. And I I think, crucially, the service needs to be safeguarded, not just for the current residents, but for the many other people in East Cork who require respite placement and who currently do not have a local 24-hour staffed service. Um, Like, in one way, at least for current residents, their plight is receiving a lot of coverage and recognition. Mm. But this other group of people who are you know, perhaps living at home with ageing parents who are unable to cope or maybe languishing in long-stay wards or in and out of acute um, admissions, they're invisible and their needs are very significant. And if currently, if you live in, in in North Cork, you have access to um, 42 community-based uh, single en-suite placements Now, that service, um, it's spread across three towns in North Cork. That's highly valued. There's Mm -hmm. there's generally a waiting list of local service users to to get into those placements. Mm -hmm. Um, And people sometimes stay there for quite a long time because they need that. But if you're in East Cork at the moment, you have no local community-based option. The last time Onakura took in a new client was last February.
0: It is nine months approximately, Liam Quaid, since you and I first discussed this. Uh, this situation, is there, are there grounds for hope today, like there haven't been for quite some time?
1: I, I would definitely like to think so. Um, I, I think the experience so far of some of us working on this campaign, and particularly for families, is that we're meeting closed doors um, at every turn. But I, I do think, I, I really want to commend... The, the Health Committee and the Mental Health Committee and, and also, uh, you know, that the, there are other issues I've raised with the Public Accounts Committee and are pursuing those. But I, I, I think they've really um, given families a sense that there, there are people in authority who, who are willing to, to not just take all of this at face value um, and to, to really scrutinise what's going on. Okay. Um, and I I, I think... It's a credit to families how much they've really um, expressed the, the, the human impact of this and how that has you know, helped to reach uh, the, the committee members as well. And I think it's a huge credit to to your show and and to the coverage we've gotten in the examiner in particular um, and, and on C103 as well. Um, that we've been able to put that, that human impact out there.
0: Liam, we live in hope as always and we'll talk again, no doubt, on, on this ongoing story. Thank you very much. Thanks very much, PJ.